Welcome to Manager Tools. The two reasons to fire someone. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. What do I do with a top performer who is too hard to work with? Is it okay for a direct to be difficult as long as he gets his job done? How do I talk to someone who is not a team player? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Finally, after years of waiting, The Effective Manager in book form is available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and your other retail booksellers, as well as signed copies are available on our website, manager-tools.com. If you want to know the basics of how to manage others effectively in book format, including Kindle and ebook format as well, we encourage you to buy, read, and then implement the guidance in The Effective Manager. Good morning, Danny. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good. So I'm I'm well excited. <laughs> it's not the right word because anytime <laughs> you talk about firing people, that shouldn't get you excited. Right. But unfortunately, that's part of the role of being a manager. And you have and I have, we fire people. And when we do, it's with a heavy heart and it it's just the worst part. Horrible. Of being managed. It's horrible. And it should be. And for it good, should. For good, for good reason, that. right? It shouldn't be one of those things you take um, you take lightly. So you have to do it. And the question is, like, when do you do it? And I think the first one, everybody's pretty clear when, you know, generally fire somebody for performance. If they're not meeting their performance objectives, it's necessary to fire them. I think people get that. Um, the second of the two reasons is when the person is tearing down the team. Yeah, and I think that surprises a lot of people because um, we get asked a lot about, you know, I have a direct who's great, they're a top performer, but they're also really hard to manage. Um, you know, they hit their numbers, they deliver, they do what we ask them to do, what they're hired to do. Yeah, we can't do without them. They're, they're essential. Them. <laughs> they're, they're really valuable. They add a lot of value. Um, but, you know, they're kind of a pain and they're not nice to other people. They're Sometimes they're a little bit rude. They don't respond to requests for help. Uh, they just don't get along with the rest of the team. Right. And so we get asked, you know, what do we, how do we handle that? That's right. And they talk about the person as if she's a top performer. She's one of my top performers. And the problem is the definition of top performer because a top performer is, and this is our argument here, is not simply that they meet their performance objectives and that they're smart and all that kind of stuff, but they're ability to work as a team member is also part of the def definition of a top performer. And so if they're simply making their performance objectives, but they're tearing down the rest of the team, they are by definition, by our definition, not a top performer. Not a top performer, right. So we have three bullets, three uh, parts of our outline here. The first is your job as a manager is to encourage not to hire and fire. So why are we talking about that? Oh, anyway, okay. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, second is, so the, the first reason to fire someone is for failure to perform. And then our third bullet is the second reason to fire someone is for tearing down the team. So that's what we're going to talk about. Cool. And I think a lot of people will, will, will like this because we're going to talk about hiring and firing, but your job is to encourage. It's not to hire and fire, right? So let's just get that out of the way. We're not evil, you know, let's, you know, manage with fire people and yeah, no, no big deal. And I think if that were our job, Mike, we would all be a heck of a lot better at it at this point than we are. I mean, we're, most of us are not 
as great of hirers as we should be. Uh, and most of us are not great at firing people either. Um, so I think the fact that we're not great at either of those is further evidence that that actually is not our job because those are two things that we probably don't do terribly often, um, which means we're, we're not great at it. That's right. And actually firing, having to fire somebody, by the way, um, if you hired the person and you end up having to fire them, that can be a managerial life changing event, which is I never want to go through that again. Uh, right. And then you take your hiring responsibilities to heart more because <laughs> it's just it's just so painful to hire somebody yeah. it really is for both parties involved. Absolutely. This is probably a topic that a lot of people don't really want to talk about firing people. And I definitely encounter this during our conferences when the topic of firing people or sometimes during our effective manager conference, I'll say, you know, look, if I had a direct to who did that, who did what you just asked me about, I would tell them, do that again and I'll fire you. And I've been told that by Mark only once, but right, <laughs> do that again, I'll fire. And people are um, a little taken aback. You know, people don't want to talk about it. It's, it's almost as though it's, politically incorrect or professionally incorrect to talk about firing people or to be clear about what we are willing to fire someone over. Um, but that's just wrong. Really, effective managers, the fact is effective managers know how to fire someone. They know it's painful. They don't like doing it. It's gut-wrenching. Um, it should keep you up at night, the night before you have to do it but they know how to do it and they know how to do it ethically because they know that there's only one thing worse than firing someone and that's keeping them around, not firing them when they're not meeting the needs of the organization, when they're not doing what the organization needs them to do. That's worse. That's right. What's key here though is folks, if people engage in these kind of behaviors that tear down the team, we're telling you, look, it's your responsibility to fire them. That's the very last step of the process. You right. also have a responsibility to take every possible action you can for them to stay, for them to change their behavior, for them to be participant, to be a participant, <laughs> participant. Okay, anyways, to participate with the team. <laughs> since I can't <laughs> say the word. Um, you have those responsibilities as well, right? That the, the firing is only the last resort. Yeah, and it's a crappy resort. It's the crappy part of the yeah, job. And we know that we only do it after, as you said, Mike, we've done everything else that we we can to help somebody be able to stay. And our efforts have not been successful. We at Manager Tools, we're willing to talk about how to fire someone in an ethical way. It, it doesn't mean that we go around thinking all day about firing people or that we think about this as a way to motivate or inspire people because it does not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're willing to talk about how to do it correctly and ethically and humanely, but that doesn't mean it's on our minds all the time or it's our driver. Um, what really matters to effective managers is maximizing performance and retention, right? Re results and retention. This is what we say at every effective manager conference. And <laughs> we don't do that. We don't achieve results and retention through efficient firing. I mean, that seems pretty obvious, but we do it instead through smart hiring, right? We hire well, we hire good people, we have a robust interviewing and hiring process, we build relationships with them through one-on-ones, we talk to them about how they're doing, 
through feedback and we help them get better. We encourage increased performance and increased capability through coaching and delegation. So that's how we deliver results and retention. It's not through firing people or threatening to fire people. That's right. Only when it's absolutely necessary, right? And and folks, if we're effective, that never happens, right? That's the whole that's the whole point. If we're effective and we're doing our job well, we never have to fire someone. And folks, we made it easy. We're giving you the tools to be able to do that, and they work. I'll just I won't go on going on a long rant about that. But folks, stuff works. One on ones, feedback, coaching, delegation. That is the answer. If you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you have to fire someone, do that, and um, more than likely you'll you'll never have to fire someone. And be clear: when you have to fire someone, you have failed. You still have to fire them, right? But it's it's still a failure. You didn't do your party's yes. manager to 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 help them change their behavior. It's sad, but you should be sad because one, you've affected that person's life pretty significantly and you failed in your job as a manager. Firing is a sign of, of managerial failure. It's the failure of our direct as well. If we've done our job, right, they didn't get better, but it also means that somewhere along the way, we didn't do some, we didn't hire the right person or we didn't do something else that we needed to do. I want to just really make sure, Mike, that people understand that our job as managers is to encourage our directs and going around talking about firing while sometimes we have to do it is not going to be a way to encourage people. We, this is one of my favorite things to talk about during the effective manager conference, because we talk about one-on-ones. The purpose of one-on-ones is to encourage trusting relationships. The purpose of feedback is to encourage effective behavior. Coaching encourages improved capability and delegation encourages increased productivity. And I just, I love that word encourage because really as managers, that's all we can do. We can't force our people to do anything. Uh, We can't make them do stuff. They're adults, they're grown people. They're going to make their own choices, but we can create an environment that encourages them to do these things. And when we do those things well, like you said, and we're effective, then we don't have to fire. Exactly. Now we've got that out of the way. So hopefully don't get a bunch of hate mail about how <laughs> yes. evil we are in terms of firing people. Um, yeah, I'm just hesitating because I'm just thinking about a time where I had to do it and just think, just again, going through my head, like how, how flipping painful it was. But we do. In, in this particular case, it was failure to perform. And the most common thing people at least think about um, when firing, firing somebody for the failing to perform. I think that's this is not a surprise to most people, right? This is this is what people think about first is, well, if somebody's not hitting their numbers, if I have a sales rep who's not making their quota or a production associate who isn't meeting quality and quantity goals, a recruiting specialist who isn't hitting her hiring goals or interviewing goals, a specialist who can't show up on time, who isn't meeting reasonable deadlines. These are these are pretty I don't want to say common situations, but situations that we are all fairly familiar with and we understand. And these are situations that typically provide us, the manager, with data about our direct performance. There's goals. An effective manager sets clear goals, um, clear deliverables along the way. There's usually some type of paper trail or documentation of goals that have been missed. There's been some feedback. There's been some coaching conversations. Uh, And so... This is a pretty common scenario, I think, that most managers have dealt with. Clearly. 
I mean, these are easy. You have a lot of data in these cases, right? They miss goals that they were clear about and they miss deliverables along the way. And there's a whole paper trail of goals missed and feedback and coaching conversations, right? So it makes it, because it's so measurable, it, it makes it evident and easier. Now, folks, if you're in a situation and you want to fire somebody for performance and you don't have all the details I've just described, then there's another issue and you might want to, you might want right. to look at the problem around your desk. <laughs> it's not yeah. the direct. Yeah. And we, we know as managers that we're supposed to achieve our goals. We know that part of our job is to encourage our directs to achieve their deliverables. And we know that if everyone fails to achieve their goals or to hit their deliverables, then the organization itself is ultimately going to fail. So if you've got some folks on your team who are hitting their goals and some who are not, it's pretty clear that the folks who are not are at risk, right? They're on the bubble because they're endangering the organization. And I think that, again, this makes sense to most managers. So the concept, the idea of firing someone because they're not delivering results, this is not surprising. It's, again, it's hard to do. And you have to do your work to make sure that you've, you've got all that documented and you've had conversations with the person, but not surprising. Yeah, that's right. A necessary evil, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, so we're going to assume that most of you get that. And that there's not a bunch of arguments. <laughs> but, if, but if you have a, a problem with that, then go ahead and send me a mail. Let's talk about the second reason for firing somebody, which is the thing that a lot of managers, in my experience, for some reason, don't believe they can do this, or that this doesn't come to, to mind when they're talking about a person who's tearing down the team uh, as a legitimate reason for firing somebody. I think it's a little harder. And I don't know if it's because it feels a little bit more nebulous to managers or, or less specific, or if it's just that it hasn't been as clearly communicated to them, or we don't talk about it as much when we think about firing. Um, but firing someone because they don't get along with the rest of the team is probably not as clear uh, for most of us as firing somebody because they're not performing. But it absolutely carries the same weight. Effective managers do not tolerate team members who do not behave respectfully, uh, collaboratively. And this is regardless of how, how great their performance is. Again, if you've got somebody who's delivering the results but is not easy to work with, however you want to define that, then by definition, we would say they are not a top performer. And we can fire people for not being a team player because the reason the organization exists is for us to work together and to get, and to get along. Right, the whole point of having an organization, exactly. Is to magnify our individual productivity. I mean, that's why organizations exist um, so that our own strengths are maximized and our weaknesses are minimized. A lot of scientists believe that one of the most significant achievement of humankind, of humankind, is large organizations because we're built as selfish creatures. And the, fa and the fact that you put two people in the same room, or as Mark likes to say, in the same county, you're going to get conflict. And one of the greatest achievements of mankind is large organizations that allow people with competing interests and priorities and thoughts to work together to achieve something greater than they could as individuals. Right. And if somebody's on your team is tearing down that basic reason for organizations, it's reasonable to suggest that they should no longer be part of that organization. 
Right. That's the whole reason that the that the organization exists is so that we can produce something greater than we can individually. Um, but in order to do that, in order to achieve that maximization, it means that we have to give up some freedom that we have if we're just working by ourselves. I mean, if we're just if we're just working by ourselves, you can just pretty much do whatever you want. But when you work with other people, you don't get to do whatever you want anymore. That's right. Um, you have to think about what's going to work best for the organization, not necessarily what works best for you. You mean if I join an organization, I just don't get to go well, Go in and say, well, that's just me. That's just the way I am. I Sometimes <laughs> sometimes I'm volatile. Sometimes I yell at people. Sometimes I throw things. It's just, it's just that's me. That's just me. <laughs> you have to accept me for who I am. You're not buying that. I wish. I'm not buying it. Okay. All right. <laughs> It's just me that I only want to work five hours a day. That's Is right. that okay? That's right. That's, <laughs> That's right. just me. And I think it's um, I think it's the way that is helpful to think about it is that we all have to pay like a tax, 20%, 25%. For some of us, it might be a little bit more of our time that allows for the functioning of the organization. Because despite what we might want to do ourselves, our way might not be the most efficient way for the organization. It might not be the best way for the organization to achieve its goals. Uh, and so we have to give up a little bit of what we want to do or the way we want to do it for the greater need of the organization. Yeah. And further, the organization's ability to maximize our productivity requires our work as individuals, right, to be, to be bundled together, right, in order to produce this product or output that the organization provides to society. And by the way, folks, that is the purpose of organizations is ser to serve society. And I think sometimes people in business forget that and um, yeah. others forget as well. I mean, there is- it's Not a, to make money. Not to make money, to serve society, right? The whole making money is-, is The byproduct Is the byproduct. <laughs> and um, a reward system that encourages organizations to produce results, produce product, output that is valued by the society. And generally, the, the form of exchange is money. In any case. Certificates of appreciation with president's faces on them. Oh, <laughs> I've, how never, I once, I've never I've heard, heard that before. Is that Isn't something I should have known about? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I can't take credit for that. I, I That's another author that I read. But that's what profit is. Profit is customers saying thank you in the form of paper with president's faces on it. That's fascinating. And by the way, we, we make reference to Peter Drucker all the time. Go read some of Peter Drucker stuff. You want to get kind of the, and I think this is kind of more philosophy about business and stuff, but go, go read Peter Drucker and you'll have a newfound appreciation for the role of organizations. Um, any case, you can't do it alone, right? If you're, you know, the engineer's design, it needs to be built, generally not by the engineer, right? And then, it's, then it needs to be sold, generally not by the engineer. And I'm an engineer and selling is not... <laughs> That would that company would not last very long with me in sales. And then it needs to be serviced. Again, not something that I'm great about. So think about it. If there's no need to have your work bundled with anyone else's, if there's not this synergy between people, then why are you in an organization at all? Like, don't join an organization. Just do it all yourself. And again, it's really hard, despite all the literature and talk about you know, founding your own company and all that. It's funny. Ultimately, it's an individual going out and starting something, but ultimately to be successful, they have an organization, right? It's really hard right. to work as an individual and produce something. 
And one of the first lessons that successful entrepreneurs will say they learned is hire people to do the stuff they're not good at, right? If you're an engineer and you're obviously then your strength is designing, outsource the stuff that you're not good at, the selling or the servicing, and focus on what you're good at, which is, again, the purpose of the organization is to allow each of us to come together and focus on the things that we're good at, um, which then allows other people to do the stuff that we're not good at, that they are good at. And so we all benefit because, you know, I'm not a good engineer, but I can sell. That's right. You can design it and I'll sell it. <laughs> yeah. And I just going to mention, I don't want to get into it uh, too much. I don't want to take us down this this rabbit rabbit hole, but folks, don't write me and tell me technology has changed things. And now we can have independent contractors collaborating together using um, your favorite ism word, uh, using technology to, to collaborate across vast expanses of time and space. I know that. And yeah, it's it's a different type of organization. But in fact, all the principles of organization still exist. And there's still overhead associated with um, working with those folks to collaborate. And the issues around working with team members still apply in this new technology age that um, we all take advantage of. And just so you know, managers, we don't have corporate offices sitting somewhere where we all show up. We we live the life that I just described. We are geographically spread all over the world and um, multiple countries and it's an organization. All right. So let's just get that out of the way. I don't I don't need emails on that topic. Thank you. <laughs> Even in that situation, you're still bundling your work with somebody else's. You're still communicating with That's them. right. You hope. You hope. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to be a good product. You still have to tell them, hey, here's what I did or here's what I didn't do on this project or this product. Um, and here's, here's how, here's why, or here's when I'm going to do it. And all of that communication is part of being a team player. So the next conclusion there, therefore, seems kind of obvious at this point is if you're going to join an organization, part of joining the organization is accepting that it's not just about your work product, that that's not all that is required. It's also your ability to work with other people in the organization, to communicate with them, and to do so in an effective way. Now, I, I think you would agree, Mike, we're not saying you got to be best friends with these people. We're not saying no. you got to go um, you know, out and, and have drinks with them every night. We're just saying you have to have effective relationships. That's kind of a, a minimum standard and, and effective communication. That's right. And unfortunately, many of us have seen there are those of, you know, people around who want the benefits of joining an organization, right? The security, the focus on their strengths, right? I'm a, I'm a, a great technology person. I want to sit there and code and I don't want to worry about doing things that don't interest me. Like I don't, I don't want to worry about sales. I don't, I, you know, um, and they want all that, the benefits without the need to pay this organizational tax, without the need to communicate with and work with others in the organization. It happens. And, um, and unfortunately or fortunately that, that world doesn't exist. You don't, we don't get to have everything that we want, unfortunately. I wish we did. But it's not enough, Mike, to say someone isn't a team player or they don't get along with others, right? So I think this is probably where some managers start to, to go a little bit off the rail is they have somebody who isn't getting along with the rest of the team. And so they just say to them, hey, you need to be more of a team player. Like I've, I've been on the receiving end of that feedback, which was completely not helpful at all. Right, right. 
I think I'm a, I'm a team player. I mean, yeah. Right. Well, that was my first response. And I, and I tell, and I share this with people at conferences. <laughs> when I was told that, Danny, you're just not much of a team player. My response was, whenever somebody calls me and asks me for help, I am more than willing to tell them what they need to do. That is the definition of a team player. Like oh, what? Oh, that's awesome. What else do you want from me? That's awesome. Oh right? Like to me, that's what it meant to be a team player. Hey, if somebody's struggling, hey, Dan, can you help me? Sure. Here's what you need to do. Go do A, B, and C. And, right. Right? I just solved your problem for you. I'm a team player. There ought to be a Dilbert around that. Yeah. Folks, that goes in the Hall of Fame of, of manager tools jokes. And you'd have to be, you have to be a real manager tools geek to really get off on that particular joke but it's it is an awesome joke that's awesome but it's right as a as a high d like i'm solving your problem i'm a team player yeah that's a great point right because you're you're engaged now for those of you who don't understand this bear with me a little bit but high high d is think of d for dominant right aggressive take action kick butt kind of person like danny is but if you're talking to someone who is shy and reserved right who is not outgoing like that and they don't engage with you the way you like because you're a high D and they're high C or high S. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. That's, that's not, that's not, right. that's not firing, right? That's a different thing entirely. If somebody prefers to, to work alone, that's okay. That's not, that's not a fireable offense. Um, if they prefer to like not join in with evening for evening drinks, um, when I was an old company marketing like to do that. And I was not kind of in it, but I kind of learned eventually that maybe I ought to go and at least have one drink and uh, build relationships. But, you know, if they don't share stuff about their home life or, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't mean they're not a team player. It just means that maybe they prioritize family life a little bit differently than you do, right? That's not enough. To fire someone for tearing down the team requires not simply an armchair and judgment about someone's preferences or personality. We have to repeatedly observe behaviors that destroy morale or destroy cohesion, or destroy collaboration and teamwork. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Not this passive or low grade, they have a different personality, personality or a different set of behavioral yeah. tendencies than I do. I think that's what man where managers struggle is they think about stuff like, oh, this person isn't a team player or they're not getting along or they're not, you know, they're not like the, the rest of us. And they don't focus on giving the direct specific behavioral based feedback and they just give them these general, you know, you need to be more of a team player and type of thing. And directs will push back on that because they know you're talking about their personality, not about their behavior. And so I think this is why managers struggle with this idea of it's okay. Well, I don't want to say it's okay, but Firing somebody because they're tearing down the team is a reasonable reason to fire someone. And part of it is because I think we struggle with identifying what it means to tear down the team. And it's not that stuff, Mike, that you just talked about. It's not their personality. Tearing down the team means yelling at their colleagues. It means flaming somebody over email uh, or failing to respond to emails. Uh, it means raising your voice in a meeting or demeaning other people um, by calling them names or uh, through your tone of voice or through your facial expressions or your body language. And it means doing these types of things over and over and over again, uh, despite receiving negative feedback from your boss about them. When we say tearing down the team, that's what we mean. Yeah. And, and we're not suggesting if you send a flaming email one time, you send a person and... 
or, or one of your directs does that. Let's put that put that perspective. Sends a flaming email and you see it. We're not saying you fire them immediately. We're not saying that. All. Matter of fact, if that were true, I would have been fired. So if Debbie oh, Stein, <laughs> Debbie Stein, if you're listening to this podcast, um, I'm I, I, I'm sorry about that email. And if she's listening, she knows exactly the one I'm talking about because <laughs> I sent it. And then two minutes later, I was like, "Oops!" And I went up. I went up to her office, and oh man, she was. She was a peer of mine. She was so mad. She was spitting. I mean, she was like, it's like, I was coming out of her mouth. It was like, it's like, oh, it's like, so I, I did it. I did it. But as a manager, right, we're talking about the engaging the behavior and you give them feedback and coaching, all that kind of stuff. And they, they refuse to modify their behavior. Now, that said, there are some behaviors that if they engage in, they don't get a do over, right? If somebody hits somebody, Okay. Yeah. There's there's no do over. Somebody calls or threatens somebody, to hit somebody or threatens to somebody or I put racial epithets in there. I there there are there are things that if they did once that would be it. Sexual but harassment. Sexual right. But these things don't well they happen well so don't get hate mail. It happens more often than it than it should. That's for, that's for darn sure. But in the in the grand scheme most most of us go through our career and as a manager don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. We're talking about something less than hitting somebody. Right. The small things that over time add up, right? The interrupting people over and over again in, in meetings and rolling eyes when when your colleagues speak in a meeting and um, not being responsive or saying things like, that's not my job, right? Those types of things, right. not helping out the rest of the team. Could be tone of voice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Having a dismissive tone of voice or body language, turning away from people when they're talking and and crossing your arms. You know, rolling your rolling your eyes at at a meeting every time somebody says something that you disagree with, right? Or a body language that suggests um, you know, crossing your arms and glaring at somebody when they say something you disagree with. I would put gossip in this category. Right. Gossiping about about people, about your teammates. Absolutely. So there's just examples uh, that I think people could relate to. And it means and we're talking about it means people who continue to repeat these behaviors despite getting negative feedback about them. That's what we're talking about. Not single instances, but going for and repeating the behaviors time and time again, despite getting performance feedback about these behaviors. And manager tools managers understand that work outputs like quality and quantity and documentation and timeliness are just simply behaviors. And as well, things like failing to communicate, raising your voice, interrupting, crossing arms, all these things we've talked about, these are also behaviors. And measuring and tracking these behaviors can be done just like measuring and tracking um, performance output and results can be tracked and measured. And not only can it, be, can it be done, but it must be done because there's just, there's no place on a team for somebody who is going to uh, engage in behaviors that tear the team apart. Just do not tolerate it. Yeah, so folks, like, like in summary, change your definition about what top performance means. Job performance includes getting along with others in a professional way. You can't be, quote unquote, good at your job if you're also difficult to work with. And to be clear, we do not recommend firing people very often and only after all reasonable efforts have been exhausted. But don't assume you can't just because their numbers look good. That's not a route to success. 
Awesome. Thanks, Mike. I think this is a good one. Yeah, I do too. Thanks, Danny. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week. Have a great one. So long. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manage Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did.